Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Super Best Friend Music Show, uh, where my, my name is <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> 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 name is Alan Richardson. I'm here with uh, Joe Polana. Hey. And Dana Slattery. Hey, everybody. And uh, what we do is uh, each week we choose a different album to do a deep dive into. Uh, we take turns trying to pick an album, and then we take turns trying to yell out whatever point we want to make first. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it is uh, it is really just an excuse for the three of us to nerd out over music. Uh, if you're this is your first episode, um, what happened? What it is is uh, Joe and I perform comedy together in Boston and nerd out very frequently in the back rooms of many bars. And Dana and I worked together for many years at a record store. And all we did for many years was pretty much geek out over music. So now we finally have an excuse to force everyone else to listen to us. That uh, but, and watch the Evil Dead. I feel like we yes. watched the Evil Dead like approximately 40 times. Well, it's like so much fun to yeah. watch. It's, <laughs> <laughs> there's three of them. They don't get old. It's a good time. It's Even really the time. show is good. Yes, the show was surprisingly great. Uh, yeah, I never watched it. It's worth it just the... to hear Bruce Campbell say fuck. Do you ever see the movie where Bruce Campbell plays old Elvis? Yes. Them, uh, oh my gosh, Danny. And he fights that? a mummy. Wait, what I feel is like that we called? must have watched that. I think Bubba we Hotep. did watch. Oh, yes, but we did. Yeah. That's one of my favorite movies that is really hard to explain to people. Yeah, an old man that thinks he's Elvis and a black guy that thinks he's JFK fight a mummy in a retirement home that's sucking the souls out of people's asses. But it's good. Yeah, but it's very good. I, you might cry at the end. It's yeah, heartfelt. It's a, when I, when I rewatched it, I was like, this is way sadder and deeper than I remember it being. It's like, it, it's an incredible, incredible movie. Uh, same thing no did Phantasm. Yeah. Oh, really? I just watched that a couple weeks Boy. ago. Boy. <laughs> I love that oh. one. And Bob, they were supposed to make another one. It was supposed to be a sequel called Bubba Nosferatu. Oh, my God. And uh, <laughs> man, I would have loved that. Uh, but Can we so, started a, a like, GoFundMe to get that to get production. That yeah. Well, I think the, the Super Davis Best Friend died. Music Show presents Bubba Nosferatu. <laughs> <laughs> Super Best Friend Music Show presents a movie. <laughs> we put all of our time and funds towards not a music, a movie. Not a One music, music please. <laughs> I would like to make a music. I'm an Italiano. <laughs> uh, so obviously today, uh, if you can't tell by now from our lengthy discussions, uh, we are covering Arthur. Or oh gee, I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck it up. You know what? I take that back. I've already fucked it up. I have tried to memorize that. Like I just my brain just won't learn it for whatever reason. Arthur is it Arthur or the fall and decline of the decline British? and fall of the no. British Empire? Oh, I was so Joe close. Did his homework. Let's hope <laughs> knows so. the name of the album. <laughs> teacher. Alan said it wrong. <laughs> um, excuse me, teacher, but Alan was incorrect. <laughs> It's that fall and decline. It's decline and fall. Surely this won't mean we're graded on a scale. <laughs> <laughs> this is just one big group project. <laughs> <laughs> the super best friend group project yeah. show. 
Well, Joe, if you're so fancy and high on the hog here, why don't you uh, take us through uh, the kinks, Arthur, or the decline <laughs> and fall? <laughs> I already. All right. You know what, Joe? You do this. Let's one. just call it Arthur for the for sakes of the show. That's what everyone really yeah. calls. This it. is why I never made it to TV. <laughs> this yeah. is why. Uh, but yeah, so uh, yeah, I did the deep dive this week uh, on Arthur. I made them listen to it. Um, uh, did you guys like it? Yeah, I, I love, love this, this album. Record. Yes, yes, awesome. this is so good. Like, Listen, Village Green are really my my main two. Sweet. So yeah, so you guys also already had like prior experience with Arthur, was it? Like, I'm yeah. This is in the yeah. middle of a because it was Village Green, then this, then Lola, right? Mm-hmm. And those are like Lola is an album that I've not been able to stop listening to for the last like six straight months. Yeah, yeah. So it's those. Well, I'll I'll, I'll get into it because it's fun to like look at like the phases of the Kinks. Because, mm. but like this is this is I think their best period because it is right like Village Green into this, into um, Lola into Muswell Hillbillies, which is like another like oh yeah unsung great album. I feel like Lola and Village Green get all the press, rightfully so. They're incredible albums, but then these two, Arthur and Muswell Hillbillies, are. I would say like just as good, but like for whatever reason, a little under under appreciated. So that's why yeah. I want to do Arthur because, um, uh, like like uh, Alan did Electric Warrior in like the first episode, and it was like, uh, a great album that you felt like meant a lot to you and was not always given its due, and I that's how I feel about Arthur. Uh, I think it's it's one of the first albums i really listened to start to finish and like kept coming back to start to finish um and <laughs> like like for context my like middle school ipod was all just like 90s ska the kinks and primus that's just what i <laughs> that's who i was as a child well what was your hair <laughs> was my hair yeah this i i, I couldn't i wanted to you've I, always looked like this mm-hmm. <laughs> for, for real i really wanted to <laughs> i wanted to have like 60s hippie hair but my hair doesn't get long it just like looks like a mullet it just gets tall it just, it just <laughs> no it just gets like thicker it just becomes like a, a, a <laughs> it becomes like a like i look like darth, darth helmet from <laughs> space balls it just gets yeah, so it didn't work. So I, I I couldn't be a hippie, but my dad was. So yeah, perfect that's for really, ska kid though. I did. Yeah. I was a ska <laughs> kid. I mean, it happened. So it, like, I, it, it's very indicative of. Uh, so I'm the. My dad is old. My dad was born in 1950, um, and so he, yeah, he he like my mom was born in 51. I always like joke in my stand up like she. So he's he's not cool by having a younger kid. He's just unlucky. Like it's not like he was like sleeping with like a hot like young lady. It was just still his wife of thirty years. But um, <laughs> just a fun surprise that is me. Well, uh, now we know what Joe's life goals are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but anyways, a young kid uh, with a hot broad. Yeah, <laughs> with long hair. <laughs> i could live vicariously through. <laughs> but uh, my dad my dad uh my dad is like the music nerd of the family like he he is a folk singer he's got some albums 
he uh he like would hitchhike to new york in the 60s and like hang out at greenwich village uh what's his name jim jim polana he's not like a famous folk singer but he is good he (laughs) he got to like open for richard and linda thompson oh wow in germany because he was my mom was it my mom was like the exact opposite like my dad was like this weird vagabond hippie folk singer and she's just like i'm gonna be a teacher that she did it like she just like knew she wanted to be a teacher and she was and she ended up teaching at an air force like she taught the american kids at an air force base in germany and so he went to germany that he like vagabond around europe and like he saw like the clash when they were just starting out didn't like them but he saw them he's always been like a big that sounds like such a good sitcom plot when your mother is a teacher teaching kids on an army base and your dad is this uh folk singer that's just like shows up i assume like he showed up with the stuff underneath the plane (laughs) and she was like oh no (laughs) my carefree husband showed up <laughs> yeah. Here we uh, go. <laughs> he, he, he brings down the Berlin Wall by introducing the communists to the Dylan. He embarrasses <laughs> he embarrasses the general by doing that. I'm picturing like a Mr. Magoo situation where he like knocks over the Berlin Wall. <laughs> 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 uh, has anyone seen my guitar? Oh no. I have my glasses. <laughs> but uh yeah, so that's just to say, like, like that's the man who raised me, and so uh, the, that's how I came to be, like this. But uh, Arthur, so uh, we were just visiting my grandparents, and he had, um, like, I didn't like know music really. Like, I was always like a weird kid, so I always got into music through what was funny. So that's why I liked '90s ska because it was it was goofy. That's how I fell into Zappa. Is why does it hurt when I pee? And then my dad was just playing um, Schoolboys in Disgrace. He just had that one. So that's like a, a that later. That was my first Kinks album. <laughs> that's the first one that I had and heard for some it, reason. Really? And yeah. some people really hate it. I think it's a good album. I do like it's definitely not their best, but I do love it still. I, I, feel I have like a, song. a lot of people just hate on that era of the Kinks. Yeah. Yes. Also, the cover to that one is very bad, <laughs> but it was funny. So I was like, what is yeah. this? And what is so this, my a young boy, a cartoon boy with his butt out, with his pants yeah. down. Yes. <laughs> in, a, in a spanking position, in a to be spanked position. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. The craziest thing is that album is also based on Dave's real life, <laughs> like, which is wild. Really? Yeah. He, it, like, because the, the, well, Okay, I'm already getting digressed. I haven't even said anything about the album. You're digressing uh, from your story about your father. But <laughs> but, about a different Kicks album. <laughs> yeah, but he said he's like, oh, if you like that, you gotta listen to Arthur. And so then I was like, he 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 gave me Arthur when we got home, put it on, and it was like, whoa! I did not know. Like it it was funny. Every song sounded so like different but it like held together and it told a story and it was just like it was it was just a game changer and I would I kept coming back to it though I would when I was little I would skip some mother's son because it would bum me out but uh, oh yeah that one is a bit of a drag it's a great song but it it is devastating yeah Um, (laughs) 
so i would skip that one but otherwise i would listen like this was like one of the first like full albums that i fell in love with or like oh you have to listen to the album it's it's like it's all all killer no filler and um <laughs> and like because of that like it was the kinks were always like really special for me and my dad because it was like they were our favorite british invasion band like the beatles are obviously great and the stones are good like he loves the stones but like it was just i i think like the beatles were like the the musicians the stones were the attitude and then like the kinks were just these weird oddballs that did not play by any of the rules they totally. fucked up they were the incorrigible fuck-ups of the british invasion i think that just really struck a, a chord with my dad and me and so like the first concert we ever went to just the two of us was ray davies in like providence rhode island oh my gosh and it was awesome. He did you cry? No, nah, but cry? I, I had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> and I think like like when you, I saw Ray live, I think that make that made a lot of sense of who he is, because he was mostly just like like he would sing and play, but he was also like he would do long like just talking in between the songs. Like he's just a storyteller, I think. And like music was his way to do that, is what it feels like. Like he just loves telling stories and being a ham, being theatrical. Like that's who Ray is. And I think like that really struck a chord with me. Is like, I think this album has a really good story. I think every song is its own little self-contained story. Yeah, he, he wrote all the songs on this album, right? Yes. He didn't write the like b-side that was on one of the singles that was dave but otherwise this is all ray okay is that like what it usually was for the kings um well that's like going through the phases so maybe i should just do that now like brief overview of the the kinks uh for some context because i think they are a really interesting band and they have a really weird saga it, it helps to understand arthur and a long saga too yeah because they stayed together what well, about they being Ray and Dave, like the, the, they, they pissed off very various rhythm sections over the year. (laughs) But uh, it's funny because like they, like this is like a weird concept album, like almost a rock opera about the fall of the British empire, but they started as like a hard rock band. They were like horny hard rock. Like you really got me is, uh, one of the first uses of distortion in a a mainstream song isn't that crazy i I read about that i read about uh them like when they were recording it like he like did something like he took he like a knife and yeah he took his razor blade and cut up the amp because he wanted to get a, a sound that he wasn't getting and so he created distortion yeah and that's dave dave did that and so like that they're like like I do think the rhythm section adds a lot and the various rhythm sections add a lot to the kinks, but the, the two Davies brothers are like the heart and soul of the band. Uh, yeah, and so Ray the kinks. and the, yeah, they are the kinks. And so Ray is the older brother by like three years. And there's a, there's a joke that Dave says that is not really a joke that Ray was happy for exactly three years. <laughs> And then Dave was born. And they're they're the youngest of 10 kids. I think they have eight s- sisters and brothers. Um, and they I think were only sisters. 
only sister. Yeah, yeah. you're right. You're they, right. They had six older sisters, I think, or eight. You are too yeah. many. Yeah, way too many. And their dad worked in a slaughterhouse. Like they were poor. Like they were, um, like that's what it always it always like cracks me up that like John Lennon wrote like working class hero. <laughs> like they all like the other British invasion bands were like pretty distinctly like middle class, and then the Kinks were poor like they were they they when they like sang about poverty they were not kidding like they and i think that informs so much of why they were like this rowdy kids like they were like experiencing money for the first time <laughs> ever and they they really saw through britain like and that's what this album is about like the the like lies of um the class structure in England like they yeah. got it because they lived it like it was very real for them and I think that kind of comes through on the album too like you can tell like you know these guys actually have something to say about you know the, I guess the working class and like the bureaucracy in England at the time yeah like I, I love like the early like Beals and Stones stuff but <laughs> they're not like about much like lovely yeah. rita is not, not doing uh, anything <laughs> it's not like they're not really reaching for big themes necessarily like it's more about the music I definitely think. yeah and in the stones case it's about fucking like they really <laughs> <laughs> like i think like, i i was thinking this like listening to this album like the stones wrote like i can't get no satisfaction and it's very horny but like Arthur is about truly not being able to be satisfied with everyday life. <laughs> like, like it is really the kinks capture just fundamental dissatisfaction. 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 That's a word. Yeah. No, it's got pieces of words. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. So like that's and like the two brothers, Dave and Ray, really are opposites in like every sense. Like I, I like to think I was telling Alan at the at the beginning before we recorded like like ray is all ego and dave is all id like it is truly like ray really wants to be taken seriously as an intellectual he like loves theater and like he went to art school and he he just is always in his own head always depressed ray is like to this day not happy <laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't matter he's just always depressed always writing always thinking and dave is out doing things dave is all in he gets kicked out of school at 15 that's what schoolboys is about because he's fucking he's he gets a girl pregnant and like uh he's his girlfriend like they were like it wasn't like <laughs> he, was, he was fucking consensual <laughs> um, but uh, it, 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 but dave is like out actually like living and he uh and ray is like in his own head like dave uh yeah and uh he's he's openly bisexual in the 60s he's like just whoa who, really i didn't know that yeah there's like a story that at one point to get like funding for something i don't remember if it was a tour or an album like date ray basically pimps dave out to like a gay record producer fucking way and, it, and like he's like maybe some people would feel bad about pimping out their little brother <laughs> but not right ray <laughs> ray is uh and like i think ray, Did they get the record made yeah that's what the song uh david watts is about 
I don't Which know if is, you ever heard that one. That's it's not like, on either. No, it's on, I think it was just a single, to be honest, but I don't know. Uh, Off the top of my head. But yeah, so like, they, they do You Really Got Me, and it's like a rock song, and that's Dave. Like, that's like, he cut up his razor. He cut, I mean, he cut up the amp with a razor. He's just like a destructive goof, and he, he loves, just wants that sound, and like, that's... And, he's it, a punk rock part of the kinks. Yeah, he's definitely like the proto-punk. I feel that a lot about Arthur, too. It, it feels like maybe not musically, but like attitude-wise, it's yeah. very... very like, punk. Yeah. <laughs> feels like very Clash, like in the lyrics. like um, Especially when you think about the context of going from this to Lola versus Power Man. Yeah. True. It's wild. So, uh, yeah, and I feel like almost like you really got me is kind of like it's their first like big hit. It feels like almost like they're like bridge over troubled waters because it's like I feel like it always bothered Ray that like they get celebrated for the guitar. Like it's like and like it always pissed off Paul Simon that like their most famous song is like the one Garfunkel sings. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's like so it's like almost like right away like they get this reputation as these hard rockers. That's like what the name the Kinks comes from. Uh, that they were wearing kinky clothes because they had tight mm. pants. I forget. There's a quote I found where <laughs> Ray just says, uh, "I always hated the name. <laughs> just so funny. <laughs> I've never really liked the name. <laughs> Which is uh, like they've had it for like they, 50 years now. Um, but yeah, they so they start off as this hard rock band pretty quickly." after like their first couple hit singles they like ray starts shifting to more like singer songwriter stuff like they still have the hard rock edge but like they just weren't that band they weren't the stones they weren't that and so he goes into these story songs and <laughs> they start uh losing followers pretty quickly and then they're touring america they get into like uh drunken fights on stage all the time like the brothers very rarely get along they don't get along with the rest of the band uh the drummer that is on this album uh mick avery hates dave uh i don't know why they hated each other so much but like at one point he like threw a like a mic stand at dave and he thought he killed him <laughs> so he ran away from the venue and like was in hiding for like three oh, weeks because he thought he actually killed dave <laughs> so like like they were just they and were they, just he did that on stage mm-hmm. right i think it was after like one song like they played one song that show and i think he like <laughs> fucked up the beat and oh there's a funny story in like a book i read about the kinks that like they were mad and dave counted them in at one two fucking four which ruins the count because now it's in five <laughs> like he put two <laughs> syllables in, like, like so it's like they were like allergic to success like they just could not like like they're getting success as a hard rock band they sabotage themselves they're touring america they sabotage themselves and then um right because they weren't allowed to tour in america for like i feel like the, their formative yeah years when they were this really is where like they really sense. discovered their mature sound because ray like they're they're kicked out of america so he says in an interview like basically thought they were never going to tour again and so that is where they really got the idea. I think um, I'm guessing Sergeant Sergeant Pepper had already come out 
So like I think that kind of opens the door for more album focused music. I can't As- think of any other band that got kicked out or like was like forbidden from touring the states like in that time like any British oh, yeah. invasion band. And you think about how rowdy those other bands are. I think right. that like the real theory is that they didn't pay like something. Like there was like like some kind of like due that you were supposed to pay to tour. They didn't do that. And then the drunken fighting was the excuse. Sure. I, okay. I suspect because it's not like I mean, you feel like the who were tame. The like, who. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, Fucking and, kids and throwing amps. And I think the Who basically became what the Kinks could have been if they kept going. Like, like the 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 Who had the success that the Kinks. Yeah, and they took the sabotaged. same kind of big weird swings and yeah, a lot of concept yeah, albums. Yeah, Tommy is actually kind of like similar to Arthur, I think. Yes, and they come out within months of each other, and it's oh. crazy. Like, so because it because when it comes out, of course no one talks about Arthur without mentioning Tommy because it's like these two right. rock operas and it kind of overshadows it very much. And when Village Green comes out, it comes out on the same day as the White Album. So like there are other formative <laughs> things. <laughs> like they just, so yes. even when they, even when they weren't fucking up, nothing worked for the Kings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like they retreat to the studio, they make Village Green. It's very different. They, they like, played around with studio things did things that they couldn't do live there's like vocal shifting it's much more intricate arrangements um but it's a very weird album it's very uh i love village green but it's what it's very conceptual it's very uh very british but i think (laughs) i think um and it but it's quieter ray describes it as it's like an indie film it's like it's like a film that is shot on a handheld camera. Is how he said it. That is what that feels like. And then, so then, then comes Arthur. So like that's like where they're at. Uh, and then just for fun, what happens after Arthur? They make more of these concept albums. Then they go to full rock operas, where it's like actual stage shows, and everyone hates it. It is what Ray his ego goes like way overboard he's like singing three-part harmony with himself on some of these albums preservation and uh the band hates it they're getting kind of pushed out for like the ray show uh and then every the music industry hates it ray tries to kill himself uh because he's always depressed yeah i and then always loved the kings but never knew any of this stuff and never really knew anything about them yeah, I, I like again, like this was me and my dad. We went to see like a crowdfunded Kinks documentary in like Brattle Square that's Theater. Awesome. Like he always got me Kinks books. So like that's I well, they were talk- overshadowed. They they were overshadowed yeah. by everyone around them. Mm-hmm. And they were always, I thought, more interesting, better writers for sure, lyrically, like Ray. And then Dave is really not like talked about like a great guitarist, but he like the guitar lines on Arthur are so cool like they're really yeah. interesting yes, yeah and, and he i think he is just like kind of like a savant because uh, i don't think you know they couldn't afford um a lot of like music education i think he just picked it up and figured it out 
like I, they did have a piano in their house, like from like their grandmother. So I, I think they might have had some lessons, or maybe the older. Oh, sister, so he had but... a leg up then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had all the breaks. Uh, <laughs> they were posers. They actually have a really funny song when they come back. So like, they like wipe the slate after the rock operas, and then they come back as like arena rockers, like in the like late seventies, eighties. Like they have like these big hits all of a sudden on MTV. I, I love the album. Give the people what they want. Yeah, it it it's yeah, good. Yeah. It like, but like it's like long after the other British invasion bands had like mostly broke it up or moved on to like doing other things like all of a sudden the kinks start coming making like the most money they've made in a long time some of their biggest hits and that's when my dad sees them live and he no he said he saw them live a bunch of times so he saw them during schoolboys he got to see them do schoolboys like as a rock opera like doing all the acts he liked it then he saw them in like the 80s like basically when they like probably around sleepwalker or maybe give the people what they want like when they were doing like low budget so yeah later so you so saw them would, like they would perform them like plays pretty much yeah they That's like they sweet. would yeah like ray had like like a they would wear like like british schoolboy uniforms like kind of like so also <laughs> proto acdc they, they did that before ac <laughs> uh so they did that and then ray had and like a head like they had a reason whereas acdc they just, just like the, they just like the way it looks. <laughs> the shorts. I do love. I like. <laughs> I like Nick Cave talking about ACDC. It's kind of funny. I've never heard that. That sounds. That sounds like something I need to hear, though. He's just like. He's like. I like them. They were. They were goofballs. <laughs> <laughs> like, Dude, like that it's... is one band that I just can't. Like I try, and I'm just like, ah, like I need to physically distance myself from ACDC you know when I hear it. It's every it's song except for Dirty Deeds. That song is a pretty cool song, but with the vocals too, it's weird that they found another singer that sounded exactly like the other singer. When yeah. they both sound so fucked up. Yeah, it's like when someone like has a dog and the dog dies and they buy another dog, but the dog only has three legs. And it's like, I just find it, another three-legged dog. And when it barks, it sounds like... <laughs> 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 I don't know oh, how I, I don't know how they decided on that way to sing. It's it's incredible. But it's what happens when like you're in the middle of dinner and someone's like, We're recording now. <laughs> but um yeah, so uh to circle back, like Arthur, I think the reason this album really works and stands out is I think it really is the best of Ray and Dave. And like there's interviews with them talking about it 50 years later. And it's like one of the only things that they agree on. Like, cause the, they got to do Ray. So the, the, oh, oh, sorry. This is also just a weird side note that apparently when they started, they had an intense rivalry with Rod Stewart, which is so funny. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, because he was like in one of their early bands before they were the Kinks and he left. So they they were just like, "Hmm, fuck Rod Stewart. (laughs) (laughs) I think that might be one of the only rivalries they won. (laughs) (laughs) But Rod seems happy. I feel like Small small Faces, that's a band, right? Small Faces? Yeah. That does Ogden's. Yeah, I feel like that's kind. Of, that's pretty kinky. Yeah, Maggie May almost sounds like a Ray song. 
Wait, a small face is Rod Stewart? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he had a he was actually like I thought you were just of... making like a random third point. <laughs> just completely. <laughs> you know who else sounds like I haven't point? talked in a while, so <laughs> it's time for me to say something. I don't care about Rod Stewart. Here's another <laughs> band. <laughs> but yeah, so um this album was supposed to be uh a, like a a televised like play, like and so like Ray gets to be full intellectual here. He gets to like write this. He's collaborating with uh, a, a novelist named uh, Julian Mitchell. They're writing like the book together. Ray's writing all the songs. At least that's how he tells it. I, I think he wrote all the songs. It's, it's Ray likes to lie. Uh, that's a fun fact about like Village Green. So like, he's things. a liar. <laughs> There's a village. <laughs> On Village Green, like I think he said he wrote all like the like harmonium parts. And there was like another guy who helped write them and he, he just like shit all over that guy. But so <laughs> but it seems like Ray was being honest here. I think he wrote all these songs, but he was working on the the play. And it's about their um brother in law, Arthur. So it, it is like drawing on this like real family thing. Arthur was a, a carpet layer who uh, fought in World War II and he lost his brother in World War II. He comes home and he's working this like menial job uh, as a carpet layer. He just feels like he did not get what he was promised after fighting to like protect England. He comes back and England has nothing for him. He's like living this life and um his son dies in Korea. Uh, that's Damn. I don't know if that happened in real life or if that happens in the play for like circularity, uh, but I think it might have happened in real life too, actually, which is sad. Uh, and then, really, so that would have been the Davies brothers' like nephew or cousin. No, you're uh, right, nephew. Nephew. Never mind. Yeah, but would have been the same. Uh, oh no, so he would have been older than them. They so that must have been made up for the play because their real life son was like their age. The real oh Arthur. yeah yeah so that, right. so that must have been made up for the play, just to add like a circular nature to the story. Yeah. But in real life, uh, their older sister, who's ten years at least older than them, and uh, her her name's Rosie, and there's actually a great song on the album a couple albums before village green face to face also about this just called love that album rosie won't you please come home is awesome so so this is maybe i can play it later but it's just like it's just so sweet it's just like from the point of view of these two young boys like rosie and arthur end up now when we talk over it yeah uh rosie and arthur that's what this album's about end up moving to australia like to look for a better life and um this song is just like from the point of view of like the two young brothers being like, Rosie, won't you please come home? And it's really cool. Yeah, this this record is another one that I always come back to with the Kinks because they have a pretty like 
uh, stack discography, right? Because they mm. put up, I think Arthur was their seventh between like 63 and 69 or something like that. Yeah. Like they, a crazy they were amount of work. Them out. Yeah. And, but I love this one face to face. It's like the only earlier one of theirs that I really get into. I like this one, and I think something else are like considered like the best of their early ones because I love something they, else. They have like almost no control over like their first couple albums. It's just like the studio slapping singles together, right? And but this one is when they kind of like you can even hear it. Like it still got like more like classic psychedelic vibes, but like they're getting a little weirder, a little more interesting, and it's got like <laughs> this like childlike yearning like i feel like ray writes a lot like from a child's perspective because maybe that is like dave says the only time he was happy but like um he so there's like this like it's a very sweet song i really like in the guitar line i think it's really cool on the, the like the like break on rosie rosie that's so cool um so there's this song and then like arthur is about her moving to Australia, right? Or the yeah, family. so he basically took this song and like, I think like he must have still been like dealing with these feelings. And then in that story, like it, 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 it's cool. I really love this album in like that, like juxtaposition of the name and like the subtitle that we can't pronounce. It is Arthur or the decline and fall of the British empire because it is like taking this really mundane small story and applying it to like the bigger story of England. Like Ray like saw that and Dave gets it. Dave like like actually commends Ray for that. Like he's like, I like it because it's about like people I do. <laughs> I love that Dave. Like, <laughs> he's like, it's, like, these are real people I do. I really like this album. But I think Ray saw like this bigger thing about how when people came back from the war, like they were promised, like they they had won, but it didn't feel like winning. Like, and I think we as Americans, we really we like to think that World War II was like our thing, but like England was getting the shit bombed out. <laughs> like it yeah. was way worse for them. And like everyone had like PTSD, <laughs> and like 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 all these people, like like it was they weren't safe at home, they weren't safe where they were going, and then they come back and it's like still like austerity, poverty. I love the song Mr. Churchill, like we gotta save up our tins. Like it's just like like yeah, the, that's definitely one of my favorites on Arthur. I love it. Like I it's think, kind of an unsung hero, I think, of the album. I think it's so cool, and I think like that's again where I think like the proto punk, where they like sample an air raid siren, just like, and the, then they like speed up the song like totally. Uh, oh, I love it. But yeah, so then for this album, like they're it's it, it's crazy like they seem to like everyone's like actually getting along like the original bassist left so this is the first with uh john dalton so peter quaif was the original bassist he leaves because he's done he can't deal with the davies anymore uh i like john dalton he's on like a lot of the albums i like a lot um and i i, I got I, I read this that they his nickname is nobby it's just fun i don't know what that means but they just call him nobby like we'll refer to him as nobby from here on out <laughs> yeah so he's nobby nobby adds some cool stuff like i think he's he, they like they said like it could probably because it was his first album he really wanted to like like bring some energy and like show off what he could do and um ray's excited because he gets to like 
be this intellectual writing about the decline of the British Empire, writing with a novelist. He's going to get this play. And then uh, Dave is also happy, which is weird because like he was working on a solo album and it wasn't really happening. I, no one really knows why that never got made. Like it was finished. They finished it before Arthur and never gets released. Uh, I liked it was going to call it was going to be called a hole in the sock of Dave Davies. <laughs> I really like that name. Great. I love it, but it never gets made. Uh, they did. Have you heard it. those tracks? Only like what was like put on like bonus tracks of this. So, like there's, right. it's so funny. Like in the the re-release, like the bonus tracks are basically just all Dave songs that like Ray wouldn't put on this. And like they, yeah, didn't I get... read it. it was like a reissue from last year or a few years ago, and I was like, oh, this like unheard Dave Davies record is basically on this reissue as bonus tracks. From what I read about it. Yeah, some of them, I, I think if that's where Mr. Shoemaker's Daughter comes from, that's a really good song. Uh, one of the songs Dave wrote that is like a B-side in England to Driving as uh, Mindless Child of Motherhood is an awesome song. I can play that for you. Oh, and yeah, that, you should. I, I didn't listen to that one. That song is awesome. Like Dave is like Ray does justly get a lot of credit. Like he wrote the songs. Uh, lyrically and he produced the album I should say Ray also produced it and that's um, our Zappa connection uh, is that right before Arthur he was producing an album for the Turtles in England in, the, uh, in America and that's where he also negotiates to get them to tour again so Arthur becomes a total flop in England when it's made but it's the first album they're able to tour for again in America and it's like it's really big for them getting back into America and like uh, I'll talk a little bit about I think there's a very there's a couple reasons why I think it flopped in England and we'll talk about that in a second but <laughs> I think part of the reason like Dave is also really happy is they they literally got to record in a bigger studio so he gets to like actually like branch out and like gets to contribute like like Village Green is very Ray and like there's not as much guitar like shredding on it like and dave gets to like pull back and shred a little and like experiment and show off what he can do and ray gets to show off what he can do and like they're working together and i think that's why this is like a really special album and um but then just everything goes wrong because so they, they have the album basically finished in may of 1969 and then they're gonna like you know mix it and overdub it but they want to wait for the play to come out so uh they don't and then at the end of may uh tommy comes out so now they're not gonna be like so then like they're just like totally overshadowed by this other big rock opera uh funny i read that like the first rock opera is considered this album called sf sorrow by the pretty things and i listened to it and it is wild Weird. uh it is just very psychedelic and crazy depressing. It is like. Is that the I, one? It's got like a gray album cover. Yeah. That's and for like, some reason, that's how I identify like every album. It's definitely just from working at record stores for many yeah. years. <laughs> I think about where it's filed and what the cover looks like. <laughs> There's so like, many albums and stuff. You're like, I don't know what it sounds like, but I can draw you the cover from memory. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I think like I always thought that like Tommy was the first and the Kinks were almost the first <laughs> to like do a rock opera. But uh 
apparently this other like just random psychedelic band technically did it first and then p-town said uh adamantly claims that sf sorrow had no influence on tommy (laughs) (laughs) which is really funny (laughs) p-townsend is uh a wild guy to read for interviews and excuses yeah oh for sure he's a i don't know we're gonna have to do an episode on on the who at some point yeah oh absolutely I'm, i'm in (laughs) <laughs> they're my the favorite ride. like british invasion era band they're your favorite you talk a lot of shit about pete townsend yeah because he uh had all that child porn on his computer oh, right 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 and like then the they asked him thing. what's it for and he said it's because he was researching for a rock opera about an old rock star that falls in love with a young child and i was like pete he's like what the fuck are you talking about that just makes it worse that just makes it worse <laughs> no no That's, no i'm, I'm writing wait, music no. about it <laughs> i'm not the star i'm not the, the old it's rock not star. about me <laughs> no 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 in love with the child? Well, why did you write that rock opera i don't know because i thought it'd be crazy <laughs> i thought it'd be what a what a what a crazy concept you know, kind of like Tommy was Poor. crazy. <laughs> no excuse, but he was a troubled man. So I, I talk shit about Pete Townsend because I'm constantly every day trying to process what that what that means to me. <laughs> because I fucking I, they're they're the best. I think the cakes are the best. Uh, <laughs> Whoa. No, uh, well, the kinks you know are my what? Favorite. I'm gonna I'm gonna end this meeting. I'll see you. Guys. <laughs> well, fuck you, Joe. Yeah, the kinks are my favorite, though. They are. My dad uh, loves the kinks. <laughs> my dad's cool. My, my, my dad could outfolk your dad. <laughs> oh yeah, dad, dude. I almost oh, said, yeah, I just said dad. dad. <laughs> I am your dad. <laughs> this is opening up all sorts of weird doors for me. I don't like this. <laughs> Tommy was the only, I think. Uh, music I've ever shared with my dad. Huh. So that oh, probably really? does it too. It, my dad is is Yikes. very much known for not liking music. Mm, the super best friend therapy <laughs> group. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. That's his thing. I just don't like music of any he, kind. He's told yeah. me a number of times that he doesn't understand why people respect musicians and comedians. Oh God! The two unrelated, but also comedian. The, the two things I do. It's yeah. like <laughs> it's like you. I know as you play drums and do comedy. Let me tell you something about that. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, my mom, my mom, <laughs> my mom also does not like music. And I asked her why she married a musician. She just said, "I always figured he'd grow out." <laughs> I didn't realize he was serious about it. <laughs> And that's she likes hilarious. his music too. Like she's not even like against it. She just didn't. She doesn't get it. Like that. That's like she doesn't hate a it. Yeah. Yeah. My dad will listen to classic vinyl on Sirius XM, and turns it oh. up when it turns it up when the Rolling Stones or the Who comes on. That's my dad. I can't tell <laughs> by who I am. <laughs> but um, yeah. So like they're, they the they they delay the album coming out for the teleplay. And then, uh, and like that is, it gets so close. Like they get a director, and it's like this like celebrated documentarian who done stuff with the Beatles named Leslie Woodhead. They, so it's like they're they're taking it seriously, and they have the whole thing cast. They got a director. They've written a script, and then 
I guess one of the producers just didn't have the money he said he did. And so he asked the studio for more money. And they said, fuck off. And like, just bailed on the whole thing. So close. And so it just never happens. And like, uh, I think there was uh, somebody, oh, if I could find the quote. Oh, yeah. This guy who wrote a book about the cake said, that Ray Davies witnessed his grand artistic visions once again dashed by bureaucracy and internal politics, which just is so right I, for the kinks. Yeah, I again, like I read that line, and to think that Lola versus Power Man comes next, and it's uh, all about how, like, yes, it felt like it's all about this. Yeah, and, and like their early stuff, like where like they they just never had good luck with record labels. They were always yeah. getting fucked over for money. Uh, but this definitely contributed. So it ends up getting released in October of '69. Uh, like they like delayed it, even though they had it basically done for like six months. Wasted. They like considered like wasted like a year of their life, like just sitting on it and like writing a script for something that never happened at a time when they were like churning out albums yeah and at a time when they are like really like village green was a critical success but that it made like no money for them it was not like a smash and their last single didn't chart so for like the first time so like they, they like they like need this album to do well and like things are just not happening for them um but uh it does get released in this this is uh really funny stuff i found out that uh, so it does this also doesn't the first single doesn't chart in england the album doesn't chart in england it's not really a success part of that is they released as their single driving which is a good song, but it is not, not the song. single off this no. album. No. <laughs> uh, for, for context, again, this is a... Yeah, uh, play some of those. This is not the hit sing. <laughs> it's so goofy. Uh, and then the... <laughs> And it, it, it's very good in the context of the album where it's like the song after uh, his Arthur's brother dies in the war. And it's like, this is it. So it's like, it's like a smash cut to stateside. Yeah. The upper yeah. class just wants to drive Going and not for a Sunday drive. Yeah. So it's awesome in the album, but as a single, this doesn't like give you a picture of the it needs album. context, right? <laughs> And then uh, in the States, they release Victoria as the single, and it's a big hit. <laughs> like, Smash. Victoria is an awesome song. It should have so, so been the single. It's, the, it's what kicks off the album. It's It's got so such fun. an iconic opening. The opening. And that's the, the opening for the whole album, too. Sets the yeah. tone. And it has... Oh, great guitar lick chugging it's got energy it's funny it's satirical it's smart i don't know what the fuck they were thinking in england (laughs) my favorite line though is he goes uh, i was born lucky me 
<laughs> in a land. It's like there's a pause, but like it's it's the next thing is in a land that I love. But I love that pause of I was born lucky me. <laughs> that is the most Ray line ever. <laughs> and it, it kills me. I love this song. It's such and a it does song. It does well in England. I mean in the States. Uh the backing track was Brainwash, the B side was Brainwash, which is like a real like rock song. So I think like this was they like they were much smarter on the states of like hey we're back and we rock and they're like oh cool yeah. like like because they like like they just were smarter about how they marketed it in the states and then it then well this was they, after they got kicked out right or mm-hmm. not or banned from touring we yeah, got to yeah, come back like this, this is their, their first one this back. is their comeback right like if you if you're putting on a show or something you know your ex is going to be there you really got to bring it. Yeah. yeah, and so that's what they do, and it works. Like this album does well in America, and uh, I, I think also part of it is, I think maybe when you're in a declining empire, you don't want to hear about it. I think also it hit yeah. maybe too close to home for England. This is pre-punk. I don't know that every everyone wanted to think that everything was still fine. I think that was. I don't think they liked hearing this. And in the States, we were fine. We were removed from the actual declining empire. Right. <laughs> we were very much in the, well, that'll never happen to us. And then 50 years later, it feels very <laughs> it poignant. It still hasn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're good. 50 years later, we're stronger than ever. We're doing great. Stronger than ever. That's, <laughs> That's America. We're doing fucking, all- we don't even have to leave our homes anymore. It's cool. <laughs> So Weed's like, legal. this does okay. Yeah. <laughs> most, almost been a, some places. And then this has been a real been a real issue. <laughs> this killed me. So like uh the record label considered uh when they when they pushed it out. Oh, also in a, in um, in London, this was a crazy thing they did to promote the album. They uh they uh sent out they promo packages entitled God Saved the Kinks that featured a consumer's guide to the band's album, a bag of grass from the Davies' village green, just made up. They didn't, they lived in like a slum. Uh, and then an LP entitled Then Now and In Between. And uh, it had a letter to the two uh, from the creative team at Warner Brothers that said, we believe the kinks may not have had it all. The kinks are to be supported, encouraged, insane. It's basically like a letter from the band's mom. Being like, please listen to this band. They need <laughs> and then this is where it gets really crazy. Reprise Records. So Reprise is the label in, in America. And then Pi was the record label in uh, the UK. And then uh, they, they wanted to really play up the band having an outlaw image. So they had uh, false, they wanted to get false stories in the news about them having marijuana possession and income tax evasion (laughs) to make the band seem really cool. And then the craziest one was pieces were used in the press kit with titles including English pop group arrested for rape rap. (laughs) Like it's just such a different time. The 60s where they're like, like now it's like we really want our bands distanced from rape allegations. <laughs> <laughs> That's the last thing. If that, your PR guy says we should do yeah. If your PR guy says we should do that, don't listen to them. Yeah. They're like, what if we said the whole band raped somebody? Like 
it's insane. And then Ray, to his credit, maybe one of the only like commercially smart moves he says, Ray did call the idea mad <laughs> and asked them to not do this. <laughs> Please don't do this. But yeah, some of it did go to the president. I love this like uh, original LP came in a giant Queen Victoria. I love that. That's that is, awesome. It's such great packaging. Yeah. So I don't and, have uh, this record, but I want it. And I was looking for a copy that has this. So that's like all like the the stuff about it and then like these are some cool things uh in an interview ray said uh i love this like regards to the song shangri-la which is one of my favorites uh ray says my brother dave said i don't know whether you like these people or you hate them (laughs) (laughs) and it it really is like how like kind of capture how ray actually feels about the working class and uh he says he doesn't hate them like because some of the songs are quite critical of working class life like shangri-la is a cynical song like yeah let's go uh, shangri-la yeah yeah i love i love this song because it is um oh this is also a good point i forgot about that like because they're making alan this is it, it's so weird like this feels so normal now but like this was like some of the first time they were allowed to do songs that were over three minutes so like that's a big thing for Dave that they get to jam because they not, they don't have to be singles on a single yeah yeah Which, this like, is definitely a more jammy album I mean Australia is like one long like Beach Boys riff with this like extended but yeah this song has lines like here's your reward for working so hard gone are the lavatories in the backyard like that's it that's what you get for winning world war ii you can shit inside like oh yeah yeah i could just listen to the whole sorry oh i was just saying the harpsichord and i love it i love it Mm. but um yeah, so like that line, I, I, as he said, like harpsichord punk. He can't stand slippers. Is this is Ray? Is like so he's not like really shitting on the working class so much as he's like I love people who are like this, but I hate when it's handed down to them that that's all they want. And he's like, it's really like, he he loves that Arthur is happy and like that's like the song yeah. that it ends on is like. And Dave says that in the interview that it, it's a very empathetic ending. Like Arthur, we love you. Maybe you're right. Because Ray can never be happy. Like, he's not happy and he's successful, but like, he resents that people are told that this is all they can get and this is what they should want and this is what they should be happy with. That's like songs like Brainwashed. And uh, I love Yes, Sir, No, Sir. It starts almost seemingly mocking the soldiers. Like, what do I do? Then you realize, like, it pivots. It's like the upper, like, the generals talking that, like, make them feel like they're important to the cut. Mm-hmm. You realize that, that it's everyone's being manipulated and they don't realize it. So he, he's cynical, but he doesn't, I don't think he hates Arthur. I think he loves Arthur. But Ray can we, did say- Can we pull up uh, Yes or No Sir? Absolutely. Yes sir, no sir. Where do I go sir? What do I do sir? Such a good mocking tone in their voice when they want it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I so if I if I could jump to like that's where it starts. That way he goes into like the upper crusty people. 
It's so funny how he changes his voice totally. The big orchestration on this one. This becomes very grand. <laughs> I love that though. Yeah. If he dies, we'll send a medal to his wife. And then like like upper class like titters like oh! it's so <laughs> they're so funny. They're so the album is super funny, which I didn't I guess I didn't remember that, you know, until like this past week when I started listening to it again. It's like this is a lot funnier than I remember. You know, the yeah. songs are great, but it's like I don't know, it's very like pointed, you know. Oh, at- I love um like and like some of the lines are just like they're so sharp like i love uh she's bought a hat like princess marina that has the line uh this poverty is hurting my pride it's like just so british <laughs> of, yeah. like like we have to give this presentation and like i think that's a lot of what the album is about is like these appearances that we put up but we don't talk about the turmoil like people are starving their brothers out of the backyard though yeah so. Oh, I love it uh, that uh, he says like he he asks him if people will like it in America. He goes, I don't know. The the critic says like, yeah, well, in America, you know, people have like guns and, he, and then are uh, something like that. And then uh, Ray says, you know, in England they just let you live. That's the best way to die. Wow. <laughs> the <deadest laughs> way. And he says like, I could have given Arthur a limp, made him like have a secret life, then. That isn't the important thing, though. He'd, he'd have had control over his secret life, and he hasn't got control over what's happening to him. But he thinks he does. When we play this in America, I hope people will accept that. <laughs> like, like, that it is, like... And so it's really cool. Uh, and uh, Arthur, he was, like... Ray was, like... He said, like, when he actually talked to the real Arthur, like, he was, like, kind of embarrassed. Like, is it okay that we wrote this, like, album about you? And he's, like... He, he seemed, like... He, he liked it. He was kind of flattered. And I, I think in the interview with Dave, he said Rosie was just like, oh, those boys. Because <laughs> they're like the two Incorrigible. Like, look at what those boys have done. They wrote an album about my husband. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm kind of disappointed now learning that he was a carpet layer, that they didn't include that in like the title, like Arthur the Carpet Layer. Mm. That's kind of funny. Yeah. I mean, yeah, even that, like, the idea of, like, we're rebuilding after being bombed. Let's put nice carpets in. Like, that's the mm-hmm. priority. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the pride of England. I had the carpets. Uh, I, but, like, it is so funny interviews with, like, Ray. He just walks, he walks back all the time. I think it's so funny. He, like, does not give straight answers. Like, he says, I think people hate us. I think they think we betrayed them. Oh my God. And perhaps we have. <laughs> <laughs> And then I, he, the guy says, but when you recorded live, people were screaming and adoring you. And the race says, yeah, it was recorded at a cattle show. There was like a large metal roof, which gave that effect. Someone said that the audience was more into it than the group. The part that I enjoyed was when everyone started singing Sunny Afternoon. They must love us, really. Like, <laughs> oh, that's very sweet. Well, weren't there like their live performances were uh, not very well received? Yeah, I think I think I tried to find some, but like there's just not I, at least that I could find on YouTube, not much from that era. Like, yeah, I think that's because they weren't allowed to tour. Like, 
I think they kind of sucked up till Village Green Live because they were always drunk. They were fighting. They were mad at each other. And Arthur is where like they're very consciously getting their act together. And like mm-hmm. this is when they tour the states. I think maybe maybe my dad saw them on this, and he's just like, "Whoa, they're awesome!" And like that's part of why Arthur means a lot to him because this is like their first big American tour uh, in like five years. Like like basically they missed the British invasion. This is they not did. when Mark Boland saw him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. And so I don't know if you guys have any other songs that you want to hear. I think that's, I, I've talked for like almost a full hour. Now. Yeah, that was a, a pretty amazing deep dive, actually. You did do your homework. But it sounds like your whole life has been leading up to this moment. To this episode. Yeah, <laughs> I, it, I, yeah I, I couldn't think of any other album that I, I should start with, but this one's meant a lot to me. <laughs> I remember, like, again, even in middle school, my, like, my newgrounds.com, like, user <laughs> bio, I had Arthur as my favorite album. Like, uh, it's still up there. I, I, I feel like now I don't know if I could pick a number one album. Maybe we should uh, listen to the, the titular track. I do love this one. It's like it kind of pre- pre- uh, predates like Muswell Hillbillies where they do make like a full country album. But oh, I looked up the wrong song. But, uh, <laughs> I, I love Muswell Hillbillies. But then this one's got like a country. That was my first Kinks album, was Muswell Hillbillies. That's a great one. Village Green. Yeah, I, I think like this is like a really sweet way to end the album that like after all this. I think there's a line in one of the interviews I read with Ray where he just says, I like plain James. I thought this is like a really fun ending for it. Yeah, yeah it, like, it becomes it's like a, a re- clap chorus at the end. Yeah, and this is like a definitely written for television ending. Yes, it is. Everyone comes up and it's a big, fun, like bopping finale. So that when it's over, you're yes. like, I wanted to see that again. Yeah, yep. it's like a it's Conan O'Brien a... uh, Simpsons episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a shame that they never made it. I don't know if that script exists anywhere. I would love to see Arthur. I'm surprised no one ever has gone for it. At one point, I don't know whatever became of this, Bobcat Goldthwait was going to direct a movie based on schoolboys. Really? He really wanted to do it. I guess Bobcat loves that album. <laughs> it's very random. That's crazy. And Bobcat Goldthwait's also a weirdly good film director. Like, Based on mm. his like 80s stand-up, I don't know that it would have been obvious that he's like, a really yeah. like, thoughtful, smart, and talented guy. <laughs> He's the only good part of uh, any of uh, the Police Academy movies. Yeah, he's like he's a really like interesting like filmmaker. He made that movie with uh, Robin Williams called uh, "World's Greatest Dad." That is like yeah, one of like the best dark comedies. Like it is as dark as a dark comedy gets, but yeah. it is really good. I like that we're ending this on just a little deep dive into Bobcat Goldthwaites. This is my brain is so stupid. This is all I could do is deep dives. I like 
I never just listen to something. Like, if I like an album, I listen to everything that band made. <laughs> All right, so wh where's our Zappa connection? Do you want to? Uh, I like, this sounds like a breaking news thing, right? Am I wrong? No, you're totally right. It's perfect. <laughs> this sounds like breaking news, but something's gone horribly wrong <laughs> in the world and you're not hearing it right. And one of us is having a stroke. So I guess you would call this, is it, would it be three degrees from Zappa? Because this was produced by Ray Davies, art there was. And before this, he produced the Turtles album in 1969 in the U.S., which I believe was the final Turtles album Ooh. before uh, Flo before they split and then Flo and Eddie joined uh, Zappa's band right after that album. Oh, so yeah. That was 1969. They joined him in 1970. Uh, so I'm putting two and two together. I forgot to look up if that was the last Turtles album. I believe Ray Davies produced the final Turtles album. Ray Davies broke up the Turtles. Let's <laughs> great. Let's start shit. Because well, the reason and the reason uh, Zappa got Flo and Eddie to join his band is because uh, a couple of years prior, someone told him, a record executive told him that you'll never make it playing music like this. You're never gonna have any longevity in music. If you want to make it, you got to play music like the Turtles. That's a band that's gonna make it. And then when they broke up, he was like, why don't you guys come play with me? I love that. I didn't know that. That's stuff. funny. I so love like two degrees. Be, yeah, it'll be two degrees. The producer of this produced the Turtles who played with Zappa. Cool. And you guys, that's two. Have uh, any, any other lingering Arthur thoughts? I'm really glad that you picked that album because yeah. it was really fun like spending a week listening to it it's just a i haven't record. listened to it in a long time I do. besides like victoria pretty much in shangri-la yeah and like uh, like the tracks like that you forget are very good like nothing to say um yeah young and innocent days like they're not the ones i like seek out as like they shouldn't have been singles but they're great songs <laughs> yeah it's one of those albums where you put it on to listen to a track and then you end up not turning it off. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it helps that it starts with like, Victor like once you hear Victoria, you're like, oh, I got to hear what's next. Like it's just... Yeah, you're so amped up. Yeah, I should start every day listening to that song because just, there's just <laughs> something about it. Yeah, I did mean to play. This was like the Dave song that didn't make the album but was a B-side and it's really good. This is from the deluxe edition. Yeah. Uh, those were like the bane of my existence for years. Those deluxe Yeah, dude. Versions. Every time I see that overlay, I think of this the case that goes in. Yeah. Oh, I used to get Tommy and Live at Leeds. Is it a finger? What?
sounds like yes or something. Yeah. There's something I, a little proggy about it. Yeah. It's, I think it's a really cool track. It's really neat. It sounds uh, a, lot, a lot less whimsical. Definitely. Because I don't think Dave doesn't go lofty like Ray. He's not as theatrical. He... Right. Yeah, that is that is definitely exactly what's like. This is not theatrical. And I think this is about that uh, kid he had when he was 15. Because he got, like, totally, like, kicked out of school, banned from ever seeing that girl. I think it always tore him up. But, but I think this, like, that was, like, a very formative thing for Dave. So they had this baby? Yeah. And he, wow. I don't think he ever was allowed to see it. Wow. Wow. He might have been able to once he got, like, famous yeah. and, like, had money. But he was just, like, a 15-year-old kid. That's like that is a lot of what Schoolboys. Schoolboys is a much more interesting album if you know that it's like rooted in real life. Like, I'm gonna have to re-listen to it. I I I, I really like Schoolboys. I think it doesn't get what it deserves because it's like right after Soap Opera, which is one of their and Preservation, which Preservation has as an as like a three album rock opera. It's too much way too bloated but it has some of my favorite kink songs on it like uh sweet lady genevieve is i think like a perfect song no and rightfully so like i do think like i don't think uh i don't think it should be like there it it, it, it probably should have been a ray solo thing like it's really Almost it was just like unfair to the rest of the kicks. Can I just say, you should watch that Grateful Dead clip that YouTube just tried to serve up to you. You can what? edit this out. But oh. that's like so, so great. Yes, that one, that bird song. I've never listened to the Grateful Dead. Oh my gosh. Well, we're going to listen to some Grateful Dead. Don't you worry. We should just, uh, when was, when's like Jerry Garcia's birthday? August Is 9th. Is it Jerry or Cherry? <laughs> It's cherry, I think. <laughs> you know, I'm like I'm out of my like middle school like genre phase where like I used to like draw like lines in the sand, and so like I didn't want to get into the dead. But now it's like I'm like really open to listening to anything. But it's daunting. It's such like a big. The dead are daunting if you don't know the, anything about them. That video, and sorry to make this kinks thing about the Grateful Dead. No, let's let's try to talk about the Grateful Dead during <laughs> this entire kinks song. <laughs> let's let's go for it. So that video that YouTube just tried to serve you is from a movie that they put out called Sunshine Daydream, which is a show that was August in 1972, I think, in Veneta, Oregon, and it's such a beautiful concert video. It's like one of my favorite and like I've seen a lot of live Grateful Dead footage and that one like I think anyone will tell you that's like one of the best and most important and that's definitely what flipped the switch for me getting super cool. stoned and watching that that concert movie so maybe we should do an episode about that the only Grateful Dead I know is uh, I bought American Beauty because of Freaks and Geeks oh, yeah. when I was like probably 17 <laughs> And then 
I got like the, is it like two or four discs thing of Europe in 72? I think it's three. Think. Oh no, it's two, it's two. Uh, but I really like that. Yeah, that's awesome. But that's like the only one I know. Europe 72 uh, is great. Did I ever, did you ever read this? Black, Black Heart Billy? No. It is about a punk rocker who got his head punched off and he replaced with a robot head. But I love that. He hates he hates hippies, <laughs> and so he digs up the severed head of Jerry Garcia. Oh my god! And starts beating hippies with it. That's but fucking awesome. That's like the beginning of it, and then these Nazi scientists steal Jerry Garcia's head, and you find out that Jerry Garcia was the illegitimate son of Hitler. <laughs> Holy and shit. that's why he was so good at getting like mass groups of people together. <laughs> um, and that's so they so build a robot body using parts of Easy es car. And they build this Jerry Garcia, Hitler, Easy e robot Nazi. What the fuck? Checks that's, out. That's it's, amazing. It's, it's hot. It's. It's insane. <laughs> all checks out. I will. That's all. I will gladly send facts. you this to read, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. So, do we want to talk about stuff we've been listening to this week? Yeah. Sure. Or, Alan, you can go. Well, so far we've been going just on the kinks. I think we've been going pretty good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> do you want, I'll, want me to? I'll go first. Sure. Yeah, what do you got? Um. I've been listening to a lot of the soundtrack of Dark Side of the Ring. And especially this one song called Acid, a Nightclub Acid Trip or Acid Trip in a Nightclub. I forget which one Dark it is. Dark Side of the Ring. What is that? Oh. So it is a really cool documentary series about like true crime or like just the dark side of wrestling. Okay. And like awful things wrestlers have done. And all of the like, as you can see like the cover that's kind of how all the reenactments are filmed. Like all the reenactments are just filmed in silhouettes with like a lot of smoke and haze and all like blue lighting. But they released Oh, so this like whole... just came out too. Yeah, this just uh season 2 came out the be- in like over the spring and then they just released the soundtrack of the first two seasons over the summer. And it is such a good soundtrack. But this is like such a fun, like dance number. Who does and the soundtrack about... for it? Wade Mc. Huh? I said, who does the soundtrack for it? I had never heard of them. Huh. Oh yeah, Wade McNeil and Andrew Gordon McPherson. No idea. Huh. As far as like making a documentary goes, it is like one of like the best made documentary series I've ever watched. Did you? And the soundtrack is just incredible. It's just like a bunch of. I think it's just a bunch of just dudes from Canada. Did you um, listen to or like the Mountain Goats album that's all about wrestling? No, I could never get into the Mountain Goats. Oh, it's a yeah, fun album. That's what I've been told. <laughs> People have tried. <laughs> yeah, this, um, I highly suggest like that whole soundtrack is great. I know Powers Explode was like, I think the next one is suggested. That was they're all like this one's really light because it's supposed to be this italian uh wrestler that started getting in debt to the mob 
but this is like when he's at like the high time of being in the in the mob and he like just gives his wife a bunch of acid Whoa. and he's like here read this let's go out tonight and she's <laughs> like what is this dino and he's like don't worry <laughs> she's like then all the lights started going crazy <laughs> Yeah, I, that's that's. It what sounds I really like enjoy. a like an eighties horror movie soundtrack, yeah. like a John Carpenter kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I bet you'd really dig that. The whole the whole soundtrack's great. Cool. Okay, so I well in a com- like the complete opposite direction. Oh, um, look, it's me. <laughs> yeah, you got suggested. To well, <laughs> <laughs> it's bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was surreal. just like uh, Bizarro Jerry Garcia. <laughs> it is. It's me. <laughs> I'm not that happy and people don't like me. <laughs> but you love ice cream. <laughs> and I'm sadly alive. <laughs> um, so uh, this uh, Tropicalia record, um, it's just Gal Costa uh, self-titled. It came out in 1969. So same year as Arthur which I think is interesting because there's like definitely some similar, like you can just tell it's like of the time. Oh, sorry. No, Gal Costa, G-A-L-C-O-S-T-A. Gal Costa, 1969. Cause I think she has two self-titled albums. There, that's the one. But one of them is the Gal Costa and the other one's just Gal Costa. Yeah. So I've been on a, a big like Brazilian uh, music kick, just like Tropicalia, really, because it's like the like psychedelic like counterculture of the '60s, but like Brazilian. Um, hmm. So it's really fun and a lot of cool instrumentation, and uh, the songs are beautiful. And but this one's also like it gets like really uh, bizarre, kind of experimental. Dana, you don't have Spotify, right? No. Well, yeah, I have an account. I don't have like Spotify Premium. I have YouTube Premium for some reason. Well, no, I have YouTube okay. Premium because I like YouTube's algorithm a lot more than Spotify's. Like, I feel like it serves up like really weird deep cuts yeah. to me, like a lot more than Spotify does. Spotify like is a lot of hard work to get it to send you cool yeah. stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have the patience. <laughs> Yeah, so like half of the tracks on this record are like just like kind of beautiful like orchestration. And then some of them are like just like really far out. Like she starts like screaming and kind of, you know, it's really, really psychedelic. This is really cool. Yeah, this is awesome. Maybe we'll talk about Gal Costa one of these weeks. Yeah, I'd love to like, it's not something I know anything about. Yeah, I've really been just cool like really into Tropicalia lately. I don't know. It's just like it's impossible not to feel good listening to this stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe cut this because I want to do an episode about it. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pretty much cut the last. Yeah, that's minutes, cool. And maybe maybe cut out my dad. Maybe not. Whatever you can make that call. We gotta corner the market on the Jim Palana fan base. He's on Spotify. Uh, he's. Are we? Well, let's 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 bring up Jim Palana. He actually is good. I'll I'll clean it up and keep it classy. Yeah, he is good. 
Uh, should we hop back in and close up the uh, Arthur episode? Sure. Yeah, so uh, that's Arthur or the <laughs> decline of fall of the British Empire by the Kings. One of my all-time favorites. Glad you guys listened to it and liked it. Like re-listening to it. And I hope... Yeah. Uh, great, great album and great choice to talk about. Yeah, I, I, It's funny because I, I listen a lot to Village Green and Lola. And this so is like right I'm in always the hop middle. back. Yeah. And this is one that my buddy Craig that got me into the Kinks initially. This is like his favorite album. So he's he was always pushing it on me. So I've had it, but I've <laughs> I've always been like, yeah, but this one's so whimsical. You yeah, gotta man. go talk to Craig and be like, dude, I just heard or I just got into yeah. Arthur. Pretty awesome. That is that is all our friendship is is every now and then I'll text him a random like I listened to this Kinks album for a week straight. And he'll be like, "Yeah, let's talk about it." <laughs> <laughs> what are we? Uh, what are we gonna do for next week's episode? Next week, uh, I'm really excited to take you guys through um, "Smile" by the Beach Boys, the last Beach Boys album uh, recorded while Brian Wilson was losing his mind, uh, and that didn't come to fruition. I think until. The 2000s, but I might be wrong about that. Don't quote me on that. It didn't come to fruition. Uh, he pretty much, I think after recording Smile was when he like laid in bed for like a year or something straight. So that'll nice. be a fun one. Um, I'm excited to learn about it. Yeah. And listen to it. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. This is the first one I really don't know. I'm really excited. Me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, we'll see everyone uh, next week. Listen to the Kinks. Wait, wait, uh, later, guys. For you virtually. <laughs> <laughs>